Hello everyone and welcome to episode 181st of Korea Podcast. Our today's guest is Miss Julia Lundman. She's an illustrator from San Francisco, United States. And of course, you know, as usual, before we get into the bread and butter of this whole podcast, which are the questions and signature questions I ask everyone, let me just quickly give a quick shout out that in the contact section of the pot, in the captions down in the anywhere you're like listening or watching the podcast you can see a bunch of links which one of them the first one is the instagram id of her page second one is her online shop which i recommend everyone to check it out if you want to like i don't know buy buy your you know significant other or your family members or loved one a gift you can just you know support an artist as well you know hit two birds with one stone you know and um the next one is a link to our patreon as well which you know for like two dollars per month plus we that you can get 100 access to monthly newsletter a fully annotated article detailing in the step-by-step process through a new painting that you might do monthly inspiration article what and here's an interesting one wallpaper downloads for phones and a computer each month and every other month a time-lapse video with an article detailing materials and photos which if you're into her illustrations and that style i recommend you to check it out two dollars is not that much i mean if you're living in usa but yeah that's another story <laughs> And last but not least, uh, her a link to her Twitter account as well. If you want to follow that on other social medias rather than like you know any meta-owned social media, you can go there as well. Which you know, as of today, we're recording this episode on July, uh, on the 6th of July, and on 6th of July and 5th of July, the whole messaging feature of Instagram has got blown up to smithereens. Like it doesn't work at all. That's why I'm saying you should follow her on Twitter as well. <laughs> so with that being said, let's jump into the first question and which is the signature question of the podcast tell us tell us about like basically give us a little introduction on how we got into the world of visual arts and design basically tell us the story of like you know what made you go that oh i want to become an artist for the rest of my life you know okay well um i've i think it's just something i've always done i mean i i from the time i was little i like most kids i started drawing very young and I just never really gave it up. Um, I've always kept sketchbooks and when I was growing up, I used to get in trouble all the time for drawing in my textbooks. And, um, I kind of had, um, I mean, I, I was always drawing, but I, I got really sidetracked when I was growing up with music and for a really long time, pretty much throughout my entire childhood, I thought I was going to be a musician. And I, I was, you know, doing lots of um, practicing and recitals and going to these competitions and stuff. And by the time I turned 18, I was just kind of sick of the performance aspect of it. And it was that time of life where it was like, well, I have to figure out what I want to do. And if I'm not going to be a musician, well, um, what else do I have? I just really like to draw. So um, I decided to go to college and become a fine art major. And I was in my, I went to this uh, small university in Illinois. And in my first um, couple of semesters there, I had a pretty bad experience with the fine art teacher there who was kind of this really brash um, sort of old school painter uh, from the University of Chicago. And he um, really scared me because he, he was he was like, well, you know, uh, I, I had mentioned something to him about becoming an illustrator um, because I read so many books when I was growing up. And I was like, you know, I really want to I want to illustrate books. I want to do something like that. And I, I had mentioned that to him and he basically tore me down in front of everybody in, in class and it really shook me. So after that, I, um, I just had, uh, I had a couple friends that were going to this small art school in downtown Chicago. Um, so I started asking about that and I ended up, uh, dropping out of this university and attending uh, the American Academy of Art in Chicago. And that was really the best place I could have been because, you know, it was an, a very old illustration school. There was a lot of tradition about 
um, drawing and uh, just having good working, um, just instilling in the students good working principles and how to prepare your work and how to work for a client and that all of that kind of stuff. So, so that's kind of the story of how um, I became an artist, I guess, how I became a professional artist. All right. And um, that's kind of interesting. But now I want to ask you something else, which is, of, of course, important to mention and clarify, which is, um, of course, in the introduction, I mentioned that you're an illustrator. But I was wondering, like, you know, what is your main branch of design that you're focusing on right now? Like, tell us about your experience from the start of it until now. Like, tell us about your whole journey, like how you got into, like, you know, your, basically your experience of professionally working as illustrator, basically. Oh, OK. Well, um so I've worked for a long time as a commercial illustrator, and um, I've had a lot of different experiences. Um, I started working in 1993. So the art school that I went to, as I had mentioned, it had this this really great program. Um, and so I was taking classes five days a week and also on Saturdays. And it just so happened on Saturdays, they... On, Saturday, on the Saturday classes, they had this sort of open studio thing where anybody from the public could also join the life drawing classes. And it just so happened that this um, this woman who owned an animation studio uh, was taking a class, that the life drawing class that I was taking, and she and I got to know each other, and she saw some of my work on the, the hallway walls of the school, and then she asked me, would you like to come in and interview for this um, background position, uh, traditional background position at our animation studio? So I did, and I got the job. <laughs> and uh, that was the last semester of, of my uh, education at the American Academy of Arts. So I took it, and I started working, and I learned so much about animation working in that job. It was, it was such a fantastic job. So I started, um, painting backgrounds for animated commercials, Lucky Charms, Trick Serial. Um, and of course this was, this was in 1993 and I worked there until I think 2000. And that was the era, um, when Disney was releasing all of these great movies, the Lion King, um, Aladdin, all of those movies in the nineties. So there were a lot of these art of books that were coming out at the time. And those for me as a, as a newbie background painter, those were such a great resource. Um, because I was able to, as I'm doing my job, I was like, Oh my God, I have this huge commercial that I've got to do, you know, usually about eight to 10 backgrounds. And I'm not sure how I'm going to paint this. And so I would just flip through these art of books and take a look and like, oh, okay, you know, Beauty and the Beast has this amazing fall foliage. I think on this commercial, I'll paint, you know, the fall season, just like Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Um, so, um, I learned a lot at that job and uh, of course I ended up working at that job doing other things too. Um, and it was around, um, I think it was 2000 when I ended up moving out to San Francisco and that was also happened to be the time when the animation industry was really changing. It went from traditional to digital and so I had to really scramble uh, to learn Photoshop. And at that time, flash animation was a thing. So I had to learn how to use Flash, um, Illustrator, all of, all of those main programs in order to get work. Um, because I should also mention that I moved out here with my ex-husband, who was an animation director. And so he it was his job that brought us here. And so when we came here, I really had a lot of trouble finding work um, because San Francisco is not really a big animation uh, 
community. There's a lot of games here. And at that time, a lot of the animation studios had closed down or were kind of at the tail end of their, their business. Um, so I just, I had to adapt. So I spent a lot of time just learning Photoshop and, um, trying to get work. And what ended up happening is I got a lot of work at EA electronic arts, um, just, you know, doing illustration work, but digital. And that was, that was also a really great experience. And so once I had some game work, um, things just really started opening up for me in the Bay area. And I got a lot more work, um, uh, just, you know, working on games, usually online games, casual games, that kind of thing. All right. And um, right, that's kind of, that's a load of like interesting experience that we can, you know, go on to talk about more. And um, all right, there's like, of course, we're, we're going to also discuss about some general stuff that I actually wanted to ask you as well. But there's like one, two questions I need to ask you first before that. Which okay. is one of them is how does your design process usually go anytime you want to work work on a new project or a new piece basically like what does the structure of your pipeline look like whenever you want to work you know on a new piece as I said well I'm well I should um, say here that I'm working on my personal art now um, full time pretty much I I do some freelance work for other people on the side but I'm pretty much focused on my personal artwork because it's, um, I've had a really long career and it's something that I've always wanted to do is just develop, you know, what my, what my own art looks like. And so I'm pretty immersed in that at the moment. So if I got an assignment at work for, um, you know, whatever, uh, whatever the, the requirement was, my process is pretty similar to how I work now in developing paintings. And that is just open up my sketchbook and put on my headphones and just sort of drown out the world and start drawing. Um, And sometimes, you know, looking, just going through some art history, like I'm, I really like to look at archives of, older paintings, um, throughout history, because there's so many just incredibly fascinating paintings out there. And so sometimes I just, um, you know, scroll through and look at lots of paintings and objects and architecture and, you know, whatever it is. And I, I start doing sketching and usually from sketching, like once you do one sketch, uh, or two sketches. It's, it's kind of like this chain reaction sort of thing where, where, um, you know, ideas just start to kind of build on each other. And then after a while you kind of get this flood of ideas. And, um, from there I usually, you know, take a deep breath and then look at what I have. And at that point, just, you know, zero in on a couple of ideas And then when I zero in on a couple of sketches, what I usually like to do is take a photo of my sketchbook and bring that into Photoshop. And at that point I start playing around with, um, with those sketches even further and try to develop them into finer line work. Um, and then if the line work that I developed from that looks decent, what I like to do is then, and I know it sounds like a crazy process, but I like to print that out and then transfer it to paper and then do a more detailed kind of final drawing where I get to work out uh, just all the details and make it into a, a nicer looking drawing. And if I still like what I'm if I like the idea, what I like to do next is create it into a painting. Um, but usually what happens from the the final drawing to the painting, I like to sort of mess around with that even further. Um, so I spend a lot of time with, with ideas, just kind of, um, you know, kind of like a Rubik's cube, like just sort of toying with all the different ways that 
that the pieces can come together. Um, and when I get to a final painting, uh, usually I've thought about it quite a bit. And at that point, it's just, how do I paint this? Um, and, you know, the process is pretty similar to digital. It's, it's very similar to how I've, most of the jobs that I've had to. All right. And, um, Here's something else that I also wanted to ask you is, which is kind of an interesting, you know, question. I always get like different, like, you know, answers from people, which is what was the first art job paycheck you ever got? And what was it for? And how did you feel at the time when you got it? Like basically the first amount of money you made out of art. That's my question. <laughs> What's the story behind that? Okay. Well, the background artist job that I had that I mentioned, um, it didn't pay very well. Uh, I was making $8 an hour to paint um, professional backgrounds. And um, I had my very first apartment. And I think my apartment, uh, I'm trying to remember now, but I think it was like $400 a month. And I was really struggling to pay the rent. <laughs> I was struggling to, um, you know, make enough money to pay the rent and actually eat and put gas, uh, in my car so I could drive to work. Um, but the very first job was, <laughs> it's, it's just funny thinking about this. Um, very first job was on a Lucky Charms, uh, cereal commercial. And I, I was so naive. I, I thought, well, I, first of all, I couldn't believe that they hired me. And I thought, you know, oh, oh, Lucky Charms, he's, he's such a, a popular character. This must be for like some backwater thing. You know, this can't be the official Lucky Charms guy. This has got to be like some side thing that they're going to show, you know, somewhere where nobody's going to see it. And so I'm working halfway through this job. And, and I thought that especially because I was not getting paid very much money. And so halfway through this commercial, um, working on this commercial, which by the way, it takes about three months to make a commercial. Um, somebody at the studio started showing some of the old commercials that they had worked on. And I had recognized some of them because, you know, um, I was a fan of animation. So I used to keep track of all the animated commercials that I would see. And I recognized some of the commercials and I, I had to actually stop for a second and just ask a friend that was working there, like, is this actually going to go on TV? <laughs> and, and he was like, yeah, yeah. What do you, where do you think it's going to be shown? <laughs> so um, I was really blown away that I was working on the Lucky Charms character Um that I was painting the backgrounds for Lucky Charms commercials. Um, but like I said, it was really confusing because I was making hardly any money. And um, I ended up keeping that job. I, I was really conflicted about that because there were other, this is in Chicago where there's lots and lots of advertising work, or at least there was at the time. And so in Chicago, I was like, well, you know, there's plenty of other jobs out there that I could get um, that would actually pay me a decent wage. But I just couldn't get away from the fact that I was working in traditional animation. And I thought, you know, I'm just not ready to leave. I, this is really hard. Um, yes, I'm having a lot of trouble uh, paying my rent and just being able to, to live. But I think I can make it <laughs> and I think it's worth it. And so I stayed in that job for 10 years and I still don't regret it. Um, I, I ended up working my way up to $20 an hour and that still was very hard, but I, I learned so much. I just learned just a, a mountain of information about how to paint. So so that's my story of my my first paycheck. All right, that's actually kind of like really interesting because 
um the fact that he also experienced all of those roller coaster of emotions was really you know fun to hear when he got to work on the lucky charm theme and yeah i love these stories i honestly that's like one of my favorite questions when i ask people and um all right let's go to you know some of the general we've now officially reached the general art chat section of the podcast which we're going to just dive into like you know just different different you know stuff you know from your art journey which you know of course one of them we also talked about like you know briefly before re- recording was that you for a while used to work as a commercial a- animator for games like background and i think you kind of mentioned it briefly like you know during some of your answers right yeah and could you tell us a little bit more about that um you mean working in, in um games yes Okay. Yeah. Well, so the first game company, I mean, I actually, I painted backgrounds for the learning company before I worked for EA. And at that time they were just CD-ROM games and it was almost exactly the same as working in animation. It was just, you know, here's a set, except there were more backgrounds. So here's a set of, you know, we need, um, 50 backgrounds (laughs) and we need you to just start painting. And so, because in that process, because there were so many, they divided up the work. So somebody else would actually draw the backgrounds and then I would get these, these line drawings and then I would just paint over them. So that was my very first actual official game job. And then, um, I was very grateful for that too, though, because that was my first actual digital Photoshop painting backgrounds in Photoshop job. And that really opened up doors for me here in San Francisco because I, I mean, nobody was interested in working with a traditional background painter. So I was just so relieved to have that work. And it was really good experience because I didn't have to worry about the drawing I could just figure out, I I could just spend all of my time and get paid to figure out how to use Photoshop brushes and how to, how to make this look like a, like a, um, traditional background painting. Um, and so through that job, I met some other people and I ended up, um, getting a lot of freelance work, uh, through this company that EA had bought called pogo.com. And that was in one of the very first online game companies. And they just had lots of games that they were making. I mean, they were just making these little casual games, a lot of card games. Um, And a lot of those games had themes. Um, And so a couple of them, they just, the art director would contact me and say, well, I have no idea what the theme of this card game would be. Um, can you come up with something? So I had to come up with characters and kind of a storyline and um, all of that kind of stuff. So I was doing a lot of sketching and I was extremely happy doing that kind of work because it was just fun. Um, so I ended up working for Pogo I think I worked with them for about 10 years and I ended up working a lot on their avatars, um, which are called the Pogo minis. And so I, I worked on those for ages because they were making, (laughs) I got assigned to it because they, those were making the company so much money. And so it was just like, can you come up with all these different clothes? And then, um, Usually there's backgrounds behind the avatars. So I, I enjoyed working on those. Um, but, you know, after 10 years, it started to get pretty boring. And then um, it, that was also the rise of um, kind of this online gaming. So a lot of the people that I worked with ended up going over to, to Zynga in the very early um the very early days of Zynga. And so I had a lot of connections over there. And then eventually um, my former art director asked me to come over to Zynga. So I worked at Zynga for, um, I'm not sure, four years, I think. 
And it, it was, it was just an incredibly stressful job, I have to say. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't quite as fun as working at Pogo or the learning company or doing animation backgrounds. It was just high pressure. Like, you know, we need, uh, 50 assets by, and, and they called artwork assets. We need 50 assets by the end of the week. Um, just do it. (laughs) So lots of long nights, lots of working on weekends. And then, you know, we were also working on call a lot. So like the weekends, like one weekend a month, we'd be on call, um, because things would happen because these, these games are all live. And so things would happen where they need emergency artwork. (laughs) Um, so yeah, that's, that's my experience working in games. And then I ended up actually art directing a game, um, at Disney interactive, uh, a couple of games actually. And, and, uh, that was an entirely different experience. And what were those games like? Uh, do you remember them? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I've worked on so many. Well, the ones at Zynga I worked at, I worked on Petville, Cityville, uh, Treasure Isle. Um, uh, I can't even, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't remember all of them. I, I worked on I at all. quite a few Zynga games. Um, I, at Zynga, they had this thing too, where, um, some artists were floating in between teams. And so I ended up for about a year, I ended up being this artist that was, I, I swear I was moving my desk every two months to a different part of the building and working with a whole new crew of people. And, oh, my God, it was so stressful. Um, so I, I worked on a lot of games. I also worked on game concepts where I had to de- develop a lot of pitch art, um, things that never saw the light of day, that kind of thing. All right. And um, all right. So, you know, as you can remember i kind of like you know put a story on the podcast page about like if anyone had a question and someone pitched in and uh, you know they had a question i'm, I'm gonna read their questions <laughs> okay and which is by the way like don't worry adult people barely put in questions i don't know why for every guest like you know not just you <laughs> like okay. you know, for yours actually someone put a question like most people don't even get a question you know <laughs> uh all right the question is does she have any big projects planned, like an art slash storybook or show? Toned Blue asks. Oh. Uh, well, yes, I do have a book. I've actually written scripts to two different books. Um, so I, I guess I should talk about this a little bit because it's not something I've really mentioned anywhere. But yeah, I've written two different books. And one of the big things that I've been working on in the past year with my personal art is trying to figure out a a method of working that um, that will will be um, good, good for actually illustrating the interior of a book. I, when I started working on my personal art, I was doing a lot of oil paintings and I just, I don't know. I just started to feel like it was the way I work in oil. just takes too long. And so I've been on this journey of trying to learn how to work in fluid acrylics on watercolor paper and, and trying to figure all the technical issues with that and there are lots of technical issues so now I've kind of gotten it down and one of one of the things that I was going to start working on next year is actually um starting to illustrate uh this this book that I've been talking about um I don't want to say what it (laughs) what it is because um uh I'm a little suspicious of of um, of talking about it too much just yet, but anyway, um, yeah. So I, I also, I created like a, um, kind of a rough dummy of the book as well. 
And that's quite a fun process. Um, but there's a lot, you know, to illustrate. I mean, I think it's going to be 30 pages. And to illustrate um, a book is, is uh, traditionally, too, is, is actually kind of a big deal. It takes quite a while and a lot of planning. Um, so, yeah, next year, um, that's what I'm planning to work on. All right. And if I'm not mistaken, I uh, like, I'm just guessing, like, you know, I think the reason that you might not be comfortable talking about it is because of like the idea theft that's going on, like usually in the industry and, you know, and the fact that you can't really pitch your ideas safely to producers and you always have to be on the edge. Is that the case or is it something else? Oh no, it's nothing like that. Um, I think I'm probably going to self fund this. I'm not sure exactly how to do Kickstarters and all that. Um, so I was just thinking I would illustrate it and, uh, publish kind of a low, a low run. So I'm not, I'm not really, um, pitching it to anybody. I'm not really showing it around or anything like that. It's, it's really more just like, um, talking in depth about the story. Um, I, I have it all worked out, but I kind of, when I start working on it, um, it might change. It, it, it's just a, a short love story. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it, I guess talking about it in depth. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it just feels like I'm not ready to describe too much more than that. Yeah, right, <laughs> That's fair all. enough. Um, because I said about the idea theft, because I actually even discussed it in another episode with Sanguine. He's another illustrator. I don't know if you know him. Um, mm. But uh, he's also do, working on his personal project. And how is this related? Because a couple of episodes before even that, there was another guest. I know this is getting kind of complicated, but bear with me. <laughs> there was, uh, I interviewed a guy called Darko Markovic. He also known as Darmar. He's, uh, he's been working on his personal IP for seven years. And he was talking about how his idea re- like nearly got stolen by some producer in Hollywood and how he had to get an agent and lawyer. But he told me something super interesting, which I think should be interesting to you as well. He said one of the ways to kind of prevent, like, you know, that type of idea theft. It's not a foolproof way, but it's something that could help you in a court case if you get sued or you want to sue them a lot, which is you wrap all the documents that uh, that are showing the process of you making that, you know, IP or whatever it is, and you put it in a postal package and you go to the post office and you send that package to yourself. When that happens... All the evidence is like, you know, stamped and dated, everything. And you don't, by the way, open or touch that package, all right? Unless okay, yeah. you go into court. And if and if you want to present evidence, you say, these are the evidence. This is the date that I, you, you get the point. And that yeah. was, I was like, oh my God, it's actually kind of low-key genius, you know? Yeah, yeah. I've heard of, I've heard of something like that before. Um, yeah, I think the idea is just to put a date stamp on your on your work that's independent and that's the way to do it um especially if you have um producers challenging you um you know you can say well this was my idea and here's my direct evidence of the time when i worked on it yeah i think i think that's the idea behind that but i'm not entirely sure i'm not too worried about getting ripped off i i don't think anybody's going to rip off my idea. Um, I, and I don't really have any big plans to, to pitch to producers or anything like that. What I would love though, is, um, it's an idea that I think could be a really cool animated short. Um, so I'd love to make the book. And then if anybody wants to actually help me make it into a short, um, at some point down the road, I would love to do that. But, but, you know, first things first, (laughs) I actually have to illustrate the thing. All right. Yeah, definitely. And uh, please, by the way, if you, if you wanted to do the Kickstarter or anything, please do let us know. I will personally share the link as well. 
So oh, thank we you. reached that goal as well. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of potentially things we can do with the, you can do actually with the genre of your illustrations for like, you know, it could be like individual, like art self or indie game or I don't know, like a graphic yeah. novel or even animation, as you said, like it, yeah. that type of art style is the, the, like there, I had another artist on the podcast, like a year back, like, I don't know if you know Serena Malion, if you know her, she's from Canada. Uh, uh, maybe. Yeah, and her art style is kind of similar. Very good with, with names. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, her art style is kind of similar to yours, and I, they, I just feel something cozy about this type of art style. I don't know. It's the type of art style <laughs> that you, I don't know. I, I don't know. It might sound weird, but this is just a vibe I get. Is it belongs to the season of fall? It belongs to fall season. You need to get your hot mm-hmm. cup of cocoa, and you sit behind the window, and you just enjoy the cozy like art style, you know, in whatever medium. I don't know. Yeah. It's just my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and all right. So here's another topic I want to actually discuss, which kind of mentioned briefly, like before we start the recording, which was what does creativity actually mean in visual arts? Like how can we measure and quantify it? Like creativity, because it's such an abstract topic, you know? And all right, to start off, like, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, that's a big topic. I do have thoughts on that. So, um, well, you know, I think when I was growing up, there were always people talking about creativity. I even took in college, I took a creative writing course and I just remember hating that course in the end because there were, you know, this teacher was always like, open your mind, open, (laughs) you know, do things differently. And I, as a young, uh, you know, student trying to write essays, I'm like, I'm just trying to write an essay. I don't, my mind is already pretty full. So I think, um, creativity kind of is a skill and it's a skill that comes with a lot of experience and you have to learn ways to, um, to, uh, visualize. So there are a, a couple of things like, first of all, learning how to come up with ideas is one thing but how are you going to depict those ideas is a whole other thing. And, um, you know, just having a a lot of access to your inner eye, I think is, is a thing and having, um, sort of, uh, learning about visual language and visual culture and spending a lot of time looking at art and looking at how people, arrange things on a page, I think is really important. And thinking also about what it is that you're trying to depict. Um, I mean, there are lots of times when I'm drawing in my sketchbook and I'm not really thinking where, you know, an an idea comes up like, you know, uh, I don't know, just something comes up and I start drawing it And then, you know, I look at it and I'm like, I have no idea what this is about. (laughs) It's just something. So then when I try to develop that idea, um, I think about it a little bit more. Like, what what is this? Um, And how can I strengthen it? So I think creativity in part comes from pulling together a lot of things like your your visual knowledge, your experience. Um, tapping into what it is that you're actually trying to say and then coming up with interesting ways to say it. And it's a skill, you know, it's, it's something, I mean, all of us have creative ways of thinking. Everybody has unique ways of thinking about the world. Um, but when it comes to visual art, there really is a language to it and you want to, you want to be able to be clear to your audience of what it is you're saying, but you also want to be clear to yourself. What is it that I'm trying to say? 
And what is it that I'm trying to depict here? And, and is it, is it interesting to me? Um, so I think, I think creativity encompasses all of those things together, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And, um, like it's like a really broad topic as you also mentioned as well like we can't just talk about it in like even 30 minutes we could go on and just talk for like two hours like non-stop but um i think if like here's the thing i'm i see it this way if i had to like you know define creativity to for example an ai you know of course not the a the topic of ai in ours is actually pretty hot topic but i'm just by AI, I mean if there's like a sentient robot that needs to know the definition of creativity and how to utilize it, I think I would define it like this. The It's like a combination of things is the fact that you need to first have an understanding of the fundamentals of the medium you're working in. First, you have that ingredient. Then you have the ingredient of visual library. Of course, we're now talking about like visual arts. Then that mixed with the ability to copy and get inspiration from many different sources and implement all those inspirations into a single piece. And the one who can implement the fundamentals, the ability to get inspirations from as many sources as possible in in the same niche, I think in a sense that's creativity in my definition. And um, Yeah, I think think I agree. I think I agree with that. Um, But, you know, the the one thing that I've been, well, so first of all, I've been working on this personal art for a while. And the thing that has been really interesting is at the beginning, I really didn't know. I had no idea what my my work was even going to look like. I just thought, okay, I need to, I just need to figure out what I want to paint. I know I want to paint things. I just don't know what to paint. And so I came up with this routine. Um, I like to get up really early in the morning, usually around 5 or 5.30. Uh, during the pandemic, that's gotten completely messed up. But pre-pandemic, um, I would get up really early and just fix myself a really strong cup of coffee to wake up. And I always keep my sketchbook on my dining room table and I like to keep my materials there too and my headphones and early in the morning, you know, you're, you're so tired and it's also a very peaceful time of day where people in the neighborhood haven't woken up yet. You don't hear car doors, you don't hear anything, but I would put on my headphones and I would just listen to ambient music um, and start drawing and there's something really strange that happens during that time of day with, with creative thought. And I think it has to do with accessing your subconscious a little bit easier, kind of the dream world, a little bit easier than you can at other times of day. Because more often than not, I would, I'd start sketching in about an hour into sketching. It's like all of a sudden, just like sort of these wisps of ideas kind of flood into my, my vision. And so I'm, you know, I don't necessarily think I have amazing ideas or anything, but it's to me, what it has always felt like is just this, there's, within all of us, there's this well of really abstract ideas that's there. And I don't know what that is. I just know that it, it's there and it's something to try to access. And I feel like when people talk about creativity, that a lot of it, it, all the ingredients that you mentioned are of course, um, incredibly important, but that that nugget of being able to tap into whatever that well of ideas is is just something really mysterious. And I f- I feel like it's also very individual. And the more that we can tap into whatever that is, the more meaningful, personally meaningful, our work can also be. 
Um, and I think that is a, a really critical part of creativity is being able to, to build inroads into that well of ideas. All right. And by the way, like when you, when I, when I do a little bit of pause before like talking is because I'm, I had to unmute my microphone. Just want to let you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, okay. Yeah. And all right. Another topic that I think is worth mentioning is what do you think about like the impact of social media on, on the lifestyle of artists? Oh gosh. I don't know. I'm up in the air about it. Um, you know, I, so I, um, spent most of my career pre social media. Um, and I was fine with it. Uh, I mean, I was always painting and drawing things. Um, but my world was so much smaller It was, and it was much more local. And since, um, social media has come about one thing that really surprised me, especially in the beginning was people were posting artwork almost every day. And I, I just sort of felt shocked by that because I was like, well, I don't, I don't really want to post things every single day. Um, as I mentioned, I, I like to think about my ideas a lot and I, I like to kind of hold my cards close before I start posting things. And it's the same pre social media. I like to work out, work out ideas before I show people. And part of the reason for that is because I don't want a lot of feedback and, you know, feedback is good. And when you have a job, it's necessary and you have to be good at getting feedback. But when it comes to personal art, I don't necessarily want a lot of feedback. And if I want a lot of feedback, I, there's usually one or two people that I ask. And, um, I, I worry a little bit about, um, I've seen people be bullied for their artwork online. I I've seen some just really disturbing conversations where, you know, like a teenager posts their art and, there's just all these people tearing them down. And honestly, I, I can't, if I was a teenager today, I don't know how on earth I would navigate that emotionally. I'd probably quit. So I worry about that. And then I also just worry about, you know, there's other issues having to do with being ripped off. I mean, it's happened to me. There, there was one of my images that was taken by another designer who took my image, reversed it, and um, redid the whole thing in, in a kind of a different style. And then that was made into something for um, uh, a Christmas uh, ornament thing for Nordstrom's. And I, I, you know, I, I see my artwork being ripped off and sold in the store. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, that wouldn't have happened if I didn't post my images online. Um, so I worry about that, you know, and then I'm not the only artist that that's happened to. It's happened to a lot of people. And so there's a lot of images, a lot of art online right now, and it's completely free. Um, in a lot of ways, it's, it's an incredible library for us that like to look at art and appreciate art and be a part of the community. But I also worry about you know, is there any way for all of us to get paid? Um, you know, some of my friends are very popular artists who are posting all the time. And then, you know, you see basically their artwork showing up in concept art for games. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, it's, it's a little, um, there's a lot of murky areas. There's, there's good things and bad things. Um, but I, I worry about what it does to the art community. Um, I think one of the biggest things too, that's really been troubling about social media and I'll use Spotify as an example where all these musicians like this, this company, it's just a tech company 
And they built up their company on the backs of musicians who get paid literally cents, just a couple cents per play. Um, So not a lot of musicians are making money, but the company itself is doing really well. And then that company decides, you know, hey, we're going to be we're going to be some other type of company now. And all these artists, all these musicians have basically just been thrown under the bus. So I feel like social media in general is like that, like Instagram, Twitter. I mean, the art presence, the art community presence online is pretty massive. It's worldwide. And I worry that we're we're being taken advantage of. Um, in a lot of ways. So that's what I think about social media. I mean, it's also uh, Twitter is disturbing to me because it's very much a global community where, um, you know, you're an artist and you're posting your stuff and you're trying to be a part of this art community, but you're also inundated with all of the very disturbing news going on. And, it can interfere, I think, with the creative process when, you know, you want to just go online and look at art and you want to see what your friends are doing and just kind of have that experience. But you're scrolling through and, oh, my God, there's been another mass shooting. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that, like, pre-social media, of course, I I paid attention to the news but there was a there were different boundaries where i was able to turn it all off and just focus so i f- i feel like these days it's much more difficult to focus and to create boundaries and i feel like um the culture is is really shattered in a lot of ways so <laughs> I wish I could say more positive things I, I, at this yeah, moment. I, I just totally can't. understand what you're saying. No worries at all. Um, yeah, and all right, let's change the subject a bit. Okay. It's, it's getting a bit dark, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's getting dark. <laughs> yeah, all right. So here's another interesting question, which is, who are some of your favorite artists and designers that have inspired you the most? Oh, gosh. There's so many. <laughs> well, okay. The big one for me is Richard Schmid, the the painter, Richard Schmid. And I'm very biased on that because when I, this first job that I mentioned, uh, actually the college that I went to, the American Academy of Art, um, I, I ended up meeting Richard Schmid and being a part of um this sort of small group of painters that would paint with him when I was in art school um, over at this other place called the Palette and Chisel in downtown Chicago. And um, seeing an older painter like that and just an amazing painter, very wise, um, within just creating beautiful paintings right in front of my eyes was really a pretty life-changing experience. And so I, um, I was really heavily influenced by him for most of my life. Um, but I also really like other artists. Um, Andrew Wyeth was really a big art, uh, a big influence on me as well. Um, gosh, there's so many artists. Um, Ralph McQuarrie. I mean, when I was growing up, I saw his, like, first of all, when I, when I very first saw Star Wars, I had no idea that there was such a thing as like artists that worked on movies. And then this was like late seventies and early eighties when like these fan magazines would start coming out and they would show all these, all these artists and, and things. And I'd go to the library, the school library, and there would be like these books of artists that worked on movies. And I was like, what is this? I don't understand, but this is so cool. (laughs) Um, gosh, there's so many painters. Um, I'm drawing a blank. It's, it's like, as soon as you ask a question like that, it's like my mind 
just fills up with so many names that I almost just like black out <laughs> because it's like, oh my God, there's just so many. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's totally understandable because most <laughs> artists are not good with names, they're good with visuals. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, you know a lot of artists who you want yeah. to speak, you forgot their names, but I mean, it's a natural thing that happens all the time in the podcast. No worries at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually pretty, pretty terrible with names. Names and dates are, are enemies to me. <laughs> all right. And we've reached the final section and question of the podcast, which is called Final Words. All right, let me explain what that means. Basically, imagine in a limited amount of time like that you had, like maybe, let's say, a few minutes, you had the window of time and opportunity to say anything to anyone who might be listening to this podcast at any point of time in the future. Like it could be a year, decade, century. And um, yeah, basically from one human to another human being. What do you have to say? Wow. So it's kind of like a time capsule. Exactly. Thank you. You're the first one who actually said that. <laughs> yeah, I, I love time capsules. Well, I don't know. I mean, you mean um, in terms of my work or just no, in no, general? Just forget about art, just in general. Like, this is your time capsule. And, mm. you know, what do you say in that? Well, um, I, I think the, f the main thing that comes to mind is a little bit emotional, but um, I feel like the things we can't control are when and where we're born and what's going on. I mean, we're all born in these different countries and there's just, you know, all kinds of different things that happen that we have absolutely no control over. And, you know, what if you find yourself in a country that's having a revolution of some sort and it's not a good one? And I think all the time about my grandparents who um, they were in their late teens and early 20s when World War II started and it really upended everything for them. And my father joined uh, World War II and his life took a very different trajectory than I think he had planned. And he did the best he could. And, and I always think about that, that, you know, he saw really, really uh, terrible things all around him. And there's nothing that you can really do when, when that kind of stuff happens, except try to um, just accept this is, this is the world that we're in and um, try to carve out some time for yourself and a little bit of happiness and to try to live your life as best you can. And I mean, everybody's faced with different challenges and you have to make decisions and choices. But I hope that some of those choices involve um, trying to keep your relationships with other people alive, trying to keep your friendships alive and not turn to darkness and bitterness and to try to, um, you know, I hate to use the word happy because happy is such a, you know, you get this, when you picture the word happy, it's like, you know, what, what is that exactly? I, I think a better word to use is content to try to be content with yourself and your life and your friendships and the love that you have in your life and to try to, to balance all of those things and be content because, we only have a certain amount of time on this planet and we're given, you know, we're, we're dropped down into this place and we just have to, to do the best we can. So I, I think that's what I would say. And um, art for me is a part of it because I've been, I've had to deal with some pretty uh, difficult things in my life, especially when I was growing up and for me, sketching and playing music and being involved in art was really very much 
a way to sort of keep my heart open and alive. And instead of hardening myself into, into something else. So that's all I have to say to my future friends. <laughs> all right. And by the way, like I, kind of remembered again because earlier in the episode while we were recording you kind of unlocked one of my lost childhood memories while you were actually retelling your own childhood memories oh, yeah. because i remember that when i was nine and there, my teacher at the time was like this young teacher who was she was probably like a university student doing teaching as a sidekick but i remember like i you know i all i've always been a creative art creative kid in general but i've always been in wrong places and you know basically the art was never an option and i just said like i've been like everyone was basically putting putting out their frustrations on me since i was a kid like everywhere i was the kid who was always bullied and i guess because i was like passive and just friendly in general because that's the case that happened even by teachers and i remember like once i was so bored that um, in my textbook, I started like drawing characters from a series I used to watch, and I was just l- making dialogue boxes like comics and just writing their quotes. Yeah. And she announced my name in the an- megaphone of the school and said, "Get in the office right now." And my dad was there too, and she was just like, you know, ex- complaining to my dad about my performance and stuff, and said, "Look at her, his book. Look, what are these drawings?" Like, and of course, like at the Instead of the drawings, I should have actually done the homework. But, like, it was this education system is is stupid, like, even in Iran. Like, I'm sure there are a lot of complaints about the United States education system. But, like, I remember, like, when I was, like, 10, my teacher would or told us, like, and this was, a, for example, a homework for tomorrow. Like, like she would teach a section of the history of, our, like, Iran. And she would say, like, you know, make 50 questions out of this section and answer them yourselves and write it in your notebooks. Like, even yeah. at 25, I wouldn't do that. Like, yeah. what the hell? And yeah. I faked so many injuries during my whole childhood to not go to school, <laughs> I swear. Like, so many uh, stomach aches throughout the whole years. And I don't regret them a single bit. Yeah. And, yeah, I just, like, you actually unlocked that memory for me, you know, when you were... Yeah, well... You know, gosh, I'm really sorry to, to hear about that. I, I, no, it's just fine. You know, it's, there's similar things in the United States. Like, I remember that's how I felt about doing math homework. You know, just I'm, I remember in second grade just being like, how can I get out of this? <laughs> Like, you know, and, and I would do all kinds of distraction things. I I used to, I got in really big trouble because for some reason I would do this thing where I would find printed, I I was, I didn't want to do my math homework. So, but I was like, but maybe I can make my math homework look really good. So I would trace all the numbers from like really nice fonts that I would find in books. And I spent so much time just tracing numbers, but then all my math homework would be wrong. And so I, my teacher warned me several times to stop doing this, but I just kept doing it. And honestly, I don't know why. I think it was just my way, my passive aggressive way of like, I need to just figure out how to get out of doing this homework. Um, you know, so I don't know. <laughs> Kids can be funny, but I'm really sorry to hear about the bullying because that oh, no is at all. That's just been a constant thing throughout my whole uh, life, like high school and even sometimes university. But yeah, it's fine. No worries. I'm I don't carry any trauma or emotional baggage from the like I, that. I'm glad because I I think you know we were talking earlier about um about creativity and there's there's something I forgot to mention. And that is um, having shame. Um, sometimes when you're sketching things in your sketchbook, um, and I've had this experience where I'm like, this idea is weird. If I post this, everybody will think I'm weird. Well, I mean, that's an inner voice that has come about from having lots and lots of people say, you're a weird kid. You know, what's wrong with you? And having shame over who I am 
And so I think one of the big things about being an artist that's really important to overcome is just trying to overcome shaming ideas and shaming um, who you are as a person. And, you know, it happens everywhere. I mean, you know, I've seen it happen all the time. You, you somebody in a meeting, like I, I've been in conference room meetings at game companies where, you know, some junior artists <clears throat> will just blurt out an idea. What if we do this? And everybody laughs. You know, that's their knee-jerk reaction where it's like, hang on, maybe instead of laughing, we should actually listen to what this person has to say and actually consider it seriously and talk about it, you know? So anyway, I, I just, when I hear about bullying, because um, it happened a lot to me too, and, and I just try to get to what the effect of that um, has been over a lifetime. And I think the effect is, is that I, you know, I have kind of this inner, inner voice saying, no, that's dumb. (laughs) And I try to just turn that off as much as possible. So anyway, I just, I, when you talked about that, I just felt like it was something I wanted to say just to make clear. No worries Um, at all. Like it's fine. Like I totally understand. (laughs) Yeah. And that's about it, folks. I hope you enjoyed the bonus talk and discussion as well. I that did. Just did. And all right, that's about it. Thank you so much for coming by. Where can people contact you if they had any questions? Is their Instagram okay? Yeah, totally. All right. And that's about it. Thanks so much again for coming by. And thank you to anyone who tuned in that listened to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, if there's any comments or critiques or anything, you can send me a direct message or just write it down in the comment section below or whichever platform it is. All, no message gets left unread definitely and that's about it till next episode stay safe everyone take care bye bye